You're flying on your magic skis. Like Louise. You heard right. Go grab those magic skis and let's meet at Lake Louise. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Kelly Vanderbeek, Olympian sports broadcaster and photographer. Here we'll be delving into mountain tales from the past, present, and future, while getting to know a few people we affectionately call Legends of Lake Louise. To kick things off, we're joined by Mark Crothers, who embodies the meaning of his hometown, People of the Snow. In this episode, we'll delve into how and why the mountain community is so strong and the importance of winter play. And of course, see if today's guest can name that sound and hear how he answers our Fast Five. Mark, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, you're used to being behind the mic, but not for interviews other than many, many years ago. Uh, but you are an MC of big mountain competitions. So can you talk a little bit about what that experience is like for you as an announcer, but also watching the development of the sport, watching the development of athletes? Yeah, so uh, I guess I started with Lake Louise... 17 or 18 years ago, but it was in a different form. We were doing sales and marketing for the actual resort, and it kind of uh, shifted into an events role. And uh, naturally, they need, just needed somebody to get behind the microphone and do the events one year. And they say, hey, Crothers, you talk a lot, so how about we give you the microphone? And I'm like, okay, yeah, great. And again, just uh, by the seat of my pants, grabbed it, and, and away we went. So uh, year one turns into some fun, two, three, four, and naturally they're just saying, hey, coming back next year, coming back next year, coming back next year. And it's a great way to get a ski pass, volunteer your time to watch the development of a sport. Uh, and in the MZ role, is, it's funny, as a voice for the event, there's the technical directors, there's the starters, there's the judges, and then there's me who talks into thin air. So um, it's literally talking to thin air. Sometimes I talk to one kid or two parents or something at the beginning of the event, and then by the end of it, then you have 50 or 60 or 70 people around. So I literally talk into thin air for four or five hours at a time. I read bios, and uh, and it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, I've been doing it for 12 years now, and so to watch a full generation or decade of kids coming from the 7 to 11 age categories and then getting up into the to the senior ranks and watching some of them go on to the free ride world tour and stuff, it's cool because I see the names. I've watched them ski um, and it, there is definitely natural development. And for me, it's like grassroots of a sport and watching it kind of blossom in front of me is quite special. And uh, I'm quite honored that they actually asked me to come back and, and be the voice of it each year. So. Well, and it's, it, is, it can really influence the vibe at an event, what an announcer, what the MC is like. Yeah. And so sitting here with you, you have a great vibe. So I can, I can sense just what you would bring to an event at Lake Louise. Uh, and you started in 2003 uh, in the events sector uh, working at the resort Mm -hmm. and you you hosted people but you were also trying to create community so how did you create community community for me is about participation you participate in uh, anything it slowly grows what i think is the community that we're always involved in so by me being at lake louise all the time by be going back to the same positions all the time and just showing up and participating is the way i've been growing that community um kids recognize me they asked me if I'm coming back and announcing again next year. Some of them are 12, 13, 14 years old and stuff, and I'm like, I barely recognize them because they grow so fast. But that's me participating in it enough for that community to be there, and then it's, it's grown. Parents want me to come back. They think other competitions sometimes are a little bit lackluster. I wonder why, and they're just like, well, it's just fun having your voice around. Like, I joke around a little bit, try yeah. to play some of my own music don't really have time to when you're reading the bios, but you're, you're your own DJ, editor, kind of everything all at once. And you really got to be careful what you're saying and stuff, but it's, it's a lot of fun. So like I said, just being there and participating is, is the community. Uh, like I'm at Lake Louise 
I don't know, anywhere from 30 to 70 days a year. Um, you'll see me there on my days off. I ride the bus, I drive a car, we're first lineups in the mornings, we're, we're there all the time. So we run into the events crews around and they see us participating in that lifestyle that we call Lake Louise and it's a, it's a pretty special place if you get a chance to hang out there at all. You're saying we and us, so who are you including in that? Uh, well, anybody that frequents the Lake Louise area, really, just especially on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's just even the way your language emits community. It welcomes people in, so. People people know. <laughs> if, <laughs> people uh, know, Mark. They, well, no, they just ask if, well, like, who was at the ski hill today? A lot of the usual suspects. Yeah, yeah. And those same people are usually around quite a bit, so. Yeah. And you're from Kitimat, B.C., which yep. is, translates to people of the snow. Do you, do you relate to that moniker? Oh, mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, I used to fall asleep in Brantford, Ontario uh, when I was a little bit older, watching the snowfall on the light outside, and I'd wake up every hour and see if the snow was still falling. And if it was, it was probably going to be a pow day the next day. Whether I was actually skiing or not was, didn't really matter. I was just watching the snow, like, uh, those kind of things. And then it's the same thing now that I'm an adult and watching the snow develop overnight or watching a storm come in, that kind of thing. So. I love the winter. I love to shovel. I have a job uh, at the Cape and Basin National Historic Site that requires a lot of physical activity, and 90% of that's shoveling in the wintertime. So, yeah, I might be pining to be out there ripping some turns, but I'm at least shoveling it and enjoying it. And I love the winter. Like, I struggle like everybody else does with cold hands, cold feet, but the brain switches off, the EKG of life meter goes to zero, and uh, things get pretty awesome in the winter. So, It's a playground, and yeah. it, it is something that uh, there's a lot of new people to Canada um, or people who have passed through who I, for myself as a Canadian who grew up here who like you loves to play in winter mm-hmm. I love sharing that I love introducing that to people and sh- and helping them develop the skills so you can play in winter because shoveling snow okay everybody can do it <laughs> and most people don't like it but uh, I'm actually yeah. like you especially shoveling a <laughs> hockey rink it's a weird thing to say about a natural lake like that's like the epitome of shuttle- shoveling for me yep. but how do you make people feel comfortable into that space when they're traveling to a new country and you've done that quite a bit as far as hosting groups and being that contact person to ensure that they do understand the culture and they feel welcomed as well as safe to play. Yeah, so I kind of share my what, what I just said before is that EKG of life meter goes to zero and I don't think about too much and just go and do it. People say I can't on a certain run. I can't do this or I can't do that. You're immediately limiting yourself. You just don't think about it too much and just do it. You just free up and you get the experience. Are, are you the guy who pushes people no. down here? <laughs> <I got to, laughs> and go. <laughs> no, I got thrown in the water by my swim instructors when I was a kid, but that's, uh, no, that's not my game at all. It's just to go and do it. People, you just have to switch your brain off and not think so much. And again, you're, it's amazing what we can accomplish when, when we do that kind of thing. Now you're from Brantford and you yeah. mentioned that just briefly, yeah. but you cut your teeth in skiing at uh, the resorts that I uh, also cut my teeth at skiing. Um, Chicopee Ski Club, Grey Rocks, Trombla being the biggest of that list, list by a long shot. What about those resorts helped you sort of get that taste yeah. that then sort of planted a seed for you to go, okay, I want something more? So <clears throat> Chicopee was just the first place we skied. Yeah. Uh, 
the memories of that, like pulling the T-bar away from my sisters. We were going oh, they were so heavy, stuff, those like, T-bars yeah. too, back then, yeah. And it was just, uh, there's a rite of passage to yeah. being able to go ski. If you can't make it up a surface lift, then you're probably not going to go too far going down. <laughs> uh, that is a so, rite of passage. We've discussed Palma, the Palma going up to the top of Lake Louise in other episodes. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, even the T-bar at Chicopee could be intimidating. So I, sure. I understand what you're saying. So there, and then, uh, well, I told you that a little bit earlier, Tremblant, I mean, I did the classic fall in love with your first ski instructor thing. Uh, we used to go on week-long vacations and did uh, six days of skiing with the, well, five days of skiing at the same group every day, morning and afternoon at the same instructor all the time. And it was like some some kind of a race at the bottom, the only gate bashing I've ever done, but it was uh, super fun. And you can see in the pictures of my first ski instructor that I was totally smitten over her as she's like lying in the snow posing for the cameras. And here You're I just am, like, awkward. Oh. Huh. <laughs> Little and, heart shakes uh, yeah. in your eyes. So, yeah. and, like skiing. How old, how old are you then? Uh, oh gosh, uh, nine, 10, oh, 11 years old, something like crush. that. So, That's yeah. the best. Totally, like yeah. skiing, uh, like skiing runs that had moguls bigger than me. There were longer ice fields than I've ever seen in my life, and just the freedom that you get uh, when you go to a big mountain. And it's not like Tromblau is huge, but I mean, we used to ski at Chickabee, or we used to skate around the backyard and stuff like that. And like I said, the freedom you get. So the bigger the the freedom you get from skiing is unparalleled, and the bigger the area you get to ski it in, it makes it more magical. So coming out here, we got 4,200 acres of terrain at Lake Louise, and it's not bad. It's Second largest in North America. It's not bad. Right? Single it's contains. Kind of pretty the best. amazing. So it's pretty, pretty freeing. <laughs> so what was the tipping point to bring you from Brantford out west? Yeah, I guess two of them. I, a trip, and when I was 14 years old, my dad, I woke up on the first day of there was 10 centimeters of snow. We were at the Lake Louise Inn, and you kind of look around, and it's like, holy smokes, this place is magic. And that week of skiing was probably the, the start, but then in grade 11, I wrote a paper. You pulled it out of me, hey? I uh, wrote a paper. Um, for a geography class on the flora fauna and the human use of Banff National Park. And uh, my sister had just <clears throat> left uh, university, quit university, and uh, came to work in Banff. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go visit in Banff. So as a 16-year-old kid in grade 11, I came out here with my best friend. And uh, we <clears throat> hopped on an airplane, bought a ticket uh, on the airplane. We won a bottle of champagne because they had this horse race broadcast from Hong Kong, and my horse won. And then when we got to the airport, we were supposed to stay at my cousin's house. We called him at the last minute. We're like, dude, we're not coming to stay. We found a ride into Banff. All the buses are canceled, but we got a ride anyway, so we'll see you later. And we walk out to this pier number 27 that we were told to go to, and there's a white stretch limousine there ready to pick us up. So with our bottle of champagne, we get in the limo. We're like 16 years old. And the guy's like, you guys want to go anywhere? We're like, yeah, we'll get some ice. So he gets us some ice, and we make our way in and there's a car phone you know, there's a phone in the car so at, in the 90s we were like yeah wow, I was just gonna say is, this is a 90s story awesome. yeah <laughs> and uh yeah we arrived you know the next day same same kind of thing 10 centimeters of snow it's like holy smokes man this is so then to fast forward a few years the next trip I came out I did uh you know one day went uh golfing one day went fly fishing one day went hiking one day went mountain biking and if I can ski all winter and do all those things the rest of the year then it's kind of a no-brainer to you come found your happy place yeah. So 22 years later, that's how long you've been here. Still here, yeah. Still here. I'm sure you've had it. You already told the story of champagne limos on your first arrival at 16. (laughs) So since then, um, what epic parties stand out? You're just straight up parties, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, there's there's one. So we used to have some pretty awesome epic parties at the Sitzmark Lounge. Uh, It's just above the North Face Bistro. And, or it is the North Face Bistro, now is it not? No, it's above it. So anyway, 
it's a legendary place in Lake Louise where uh, apres parties used to be a lot of fun. Bar was open, tunes playing, this kind of thing. And we decided, to, well, there was a, an event screw was hosting an after party for the BMC this year. And it was a particularly rowdy year for some reason or another. Because uh, you were there. No, no, but no, yeah. just because competitors, there was uh, lots of skiers around. A bunch of crew from Sunshine came down. Um, some people came in from Fernie. Like, it was just a little bit more elevated of a, a, a scene, if you will. Right. Um, so we had just had the regular uh, qualifiers in ER3. They went off, and then they took the five best of each, and they opened up ER5 for us. And they had, like, what they called a super final. And the super final went off in there, and then it's like, hey, this is a fun vibe. I want to be around, but I had to come back to Camor to go to a 40th birthday party. So it's like, I'm going to miss the after party. And one of my friends was in the event, and he's like, I'll go, but I need to go to Banff first. What's your plan? I'm like, I got to go to this 40th, and I'll come back and pick you up. We'll leave at 11. He's like, 11? That's late. I'm like, it's just in time <laughs> just to in get time. when the party gets started. So he's I'm, I'm running late from this party and he's gonna leave me in town and I said just wait just wait just wait just wait so finally we get up there we're having a blast and Alan kind of comes up to me like 20 minutes in maybe half an hour in Mark Mark watch this he's in his retro ski gear and he just runs up the wall backflips lands and the whole place <laughs> goes crazy I'm like Alan what's going on what did you, what were you drinking on our way up here <laughs> uh, we had a great time that night uh, Alan actually ended up on Instagram, or sorry, on Facebook in the morning. Uh, this picture of a person passed out in a chair in the front oh, no. saying, does anybody know this guy? Uh, they were going <laughs> Can to somebody claim this human? <laughs> so I, with Brenna Spademan at the time, she's one of the events girls uh, back in the day, we were all hanging out by a fire, burning skis, thinking we were going to summon some snow for the springtime. And uh, we found Alan passed out on someone's couch so I promptly loaded him in the car brought him back to Banff and uh, on our way home we were like high-fiving each other saying that was a lot of fun we should do that again sometime so. anytime an evening ends and uh, <clears throat> can someone claim this human um, yeah. it's a good time neither of us had to work in the morning though. yeah that's, that's okay, a good so, thing yeah. that's a good thing I mean you have uh, missed days for power days and then you have missed days for the after power days um, but you also uh, you've done a lot of different jobs at Lake mm -hmm. Louise and in the valley here uh, what was your favorite one in order to have access to the mountain so i think i've only pat purchased uh two ski passes in 23 years something everybody's like that. now tuning in going yeah. sorry what how do i do that do do <laughs> you have to work uh first and foremost right. but yeah so what was it uh my favorite one though is being uh lifty on the magic carpet of lake louise why uh it's again the grassroots of the sport yeah. it's uh, it's the beginning of it all uh i got to watch everything happen i got to watch other people grow to love a sport or learn to love a sport that I also in like internally love and it's like it's not even hard for me to do I just I don't care if it's terrible out or if you're any good or if I'm any good or who like you're just out doing it and so on the magic carpet everyone's paired down to that same kind of thing I watch the kids learn I watch the husband and wife combos the boyfriend girlfriend combos the never ever is the the person who's like the pro with the never ever and watch that it's it was it's just it was awesome and then if I spin or like if <laughs> if you spin around and look at the mountain it's kind of boring, but as a lifter, you got to be looking down the hill on the magic carpet, and you're actually looking out to the Lodge of the Ten Peaks, and you've got Temple, Lake Louise, everything in the background. I mean, the spectacular Canadian Rockies are kind of staring you in the face. And yeah. if you don't wear your sunscreen, you get burnt. If you don't hydrate, you don't, you know, <laughs> you get thirsty at the end the of the usual day. The usual checklist yeah. of self-care, yeah. And it was uh, a program of, like, you work an hour, ski an hour, work an hour, ski an hour. It's not exactly the most exciting job. So uh, with that, we just bargained that each of us would work two hours and ski for two hours. So you have 
four hours of work to do and four hours of skiing to do, and it's a great part-time job. That's but like I said, it's the, the grassroots of watching that all is just, uh, I love watching the kids. They're having so much fun, even though they might not be doing so well. They're just, they're having a blast, and that's, that's the best part of it. You know, I have a lot of memories in skiing, um, and some epic ones that are, are should be my top ski memories um, mm-hmm. by all accounts. And yet... For me, I have to say probably my top ski memory is on the carpet at Lake Louise, seeing my kid fall in love with the sport and just seeing that look on his face when he looked at me, can we do that again? I was like, yes, we can, buddy. Let's go back up. <laughs> One more time. One more time. And again, and again. And that, and that, that's my top ski memory. And so I understand the carpet. I yeah. get it. You know, I, I can ski anything in the world. And yet the magic of that moment of seeing somebody experience that yeah. is, uh, is truly something. It really is. That was every Saturday for a whole season. And I was like, come hell or high water, I had to be there. Because there's no one else to do it. Nobody. Nobody else (laughs) would take that job. (laughs) Ski for two hours, work for two hours. Nobody would take that job. (laughs) Now, favorite trick? Uh, Well, yeah. It's uh, being a ski bum with a real-life existence. Love it. It's, (laughs) It's like short and sweet. I don't know what else. I don't know how else to put it. But if you ask... uh, you can ask lots of people around Lake Louise, around the ski resort, around the town of Banff, and they've uh, they pretty much figured out that I've nailed it too. So <laughs> it's not that much of a surprise when it. I say it. Uh, let's move on then. On that note, I think we're going to get to the name that sound. Okay. So uh, name that sound. <laughs> you're you're solo, so there's no competition. Um, oh. <laughs> so normally I make yeah. this a race because I'm okay. a competitor at heart. So, sure. um, but. I'm so I'm gonna time you, but yeah. I think you're gonna get this pretty quick. All right, name All right. that sound. Are you ready? Yeah. Feel it? Okay. Ski race start. I've See? never bashed gates in my life. And yet you know that sound. <laughs> yeah. That's all. You well, I've watched the, uh, millions of them, but millions. I've watched thousands of them on CBC television, like yeah. likes of yourself, other greats. It's, it's a sound that is yeah. like no, like it, there's. It, I mean, like F1, right? When you're right. watching. Uh, Drive to Survive, and you see that beep beep, and the lights are changing, and you're which like, Which one do you go on? Which one do you go on? What do you mean? Oh, which red light? No, which beep? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I was waiting Most for people the end. don't know. Oh. No. Really? I would just, I would. Because you can go whenever. Usually, like, it just starts so when the gate clicks. You have the 10 second beep. You have to wait yeah. till the five second, sure. which is what we just heard the beep beep. Yeah. So it's the yeah. last five seconds. Then you have another 10 seconds that you have to leave within. Yeah. You, you have to leave in that window. Yeah. And probably I would go when there's like on like second to last beep. That's kind of my norm. Yeah. yeah. Had to think about it for a sec, yeah. but yeah. I like, I like still hearing the beep when I'm like, yeah, <laughs> go. Okay, fast Wait. five. You ready? I think so. Okay, favorite run of Lake Louise? Uh, ER5 dropping in from the diagonal shoot. Diagonal shoot, yeah. Um, current board ski of choice? Uh, skis of choice right now are uh, Boko Mantra 102. Have you ever been uh, on a board? Mm, yes, like in link turns go. on blue runs. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm about the same. <laughs> I, would, I would go on a board at school trips. I give snowboarders a really hard time. Yeah, they're just slower. They just can't keep up. And it's hard. I, I do a lot of shoots and commercials, and it's it's challenging when you're working, either building a track or helping a track or shooting a commercial yeah. backcountry, front country. It doesn't matter. Um, they just they move slower. <laughs> it's a little harder. But that's okay. Yeah. That's why they hang out together, because it works out that way. Um, I shouldn't. I'm, I love snowboarders. It's all good. I'm she's just, going slow because she's talking about snowboarding, and it's fast five. I love the irony. Okay. The irony, yeah. <laughs> 
like to play with words. Yeah, of course. Mark. Um, our top song of choice. Well, I don't ski. I'm sorry, I don't ski with tunes. <laughs> I don't ski, period. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't listen to music while I ski. Uh, but uh, I always empathize with the athletes that are at the top of the venue. <clears throat> Sometimes they're on their own. And if you think of uh, Here I Go Again on My Own by White Snake. That always sits in my head when there's like a little U7, U12, U13 athlete up there with nobody around. They're in a strange place, maybe up from the States competing in this kind of thing. And uh, it's super, that's what goes through my head. Here I go again on my own. I've been down this lonely road so many times, you know, there's so many good analogies. And I know it's a love song and everything, but it's, there's a lot of analogies to skiing in there as well. Is so. skiing a love song? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's not about heartbreak, so. Agreed. <laughs> Shouldn't be anyway. Unless we're burning skis, hoping yeah. for snow, <laughs> then maybe there's sure. some heartbreak in those moments. Yeah. Um, favorite Apreski drink? Uh, the Shaft. It's a okay. legendary thing. I think the it sec- has your its, second one. Say. <clears throat> well, it has its origins in the Glencoe Club in Calgary, and then shifted up to the uh, Lake Louise, and the and then somewhat to the Sit. So it's, you, it's I haven't had a Shaft yet. I need well. to have. I know. Well, it's available on draft, and it's kind of been rebranded Mountain Joe. You might have had it if you go by some of the, uh, uh, what are they, Temple Beach parties that you guys are hosting this uh, there? It says slow for the Joe at Temple Beach. Slow for the Joe. Every Saturday, DJs from 11 till 3. (laughs) It's a good time. Look at you promoting. uh, You're just an events guy. That's my thing, I guess. (laughs) I can go on about other events if you guys want a little plug. I mean, please. (laughs) We got Carbo Box Derby coming up. You get to ski with the Easter Bunny coming up. It'll be a brew ski series happening. There's, There's, uh, yeah. It is a place full of events, and it is really trying to create that community and bring people together. Yeah. And you know, the more I've gotten into the family that is Lake Louise, I've gotten to really see how much people love working there. And it wouldn't be the most obvious place to love working in the sense that there is a commute for almost everybody. Like. Very few live in Lake Louise. So people are driving 30, 40 hour, hour and a half in order every day there and back in order to do that job. And yet they come back every year. And so uh, I guess for you, I know why. I don't even have to ask you why. I know why. Well, no, it's the same. It's it's captivating to me. Do you like the drive? I love the drive. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. It's, uh, and now that it's twinned, it's a lot safer. I mean, I still come from the day that it was white-knuckling, one lane in each direction, and people were passing each other like idiots on a pow day and stuff like this. And I was driving my little Geo Metro down the road with three friends packed in the... Oh, my God. We toaster. had a Geo Metro, too. Chickpea Geo. Oh, my God. It's a toaster Google, on wheels. Google that, Google that car, and you're going to see how tiny and horrible and probably dangerous it 14 was. 14-inch so. tires. It's like a toaster yeah. on wheels. It was. Yeah. It was a toaster on wheels. It's like a one-and-a-half-cylinder engine. It was, like, ridiculous. But mine was stick. Was your stick? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can juice it pretty well. I could. <laughs> I might have been the crazy one yeah. doing the passing though so i can't say much yeah yeah but uh, yeah so it's time effort so it's about those things but when you like i said it's captivating as well when you look at the scenery when you the snow's unparalleled like there's the so little time in our, our the world variety. Yeah. it is the variety but there's a little time in our world now where you you can just stop mm-hmm. and i like the drive for that there's even large pockets with no cell service yeah, and i awesome. love that <laughs> yes agreed. i called you i was skiing my, I, I'm not going to lie. I think my husband loves it, too. He's like, oh, Kelly's off her phone. Yay. Hi, wife. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Well, thank you, Mark. Cool. I have this something is... for you, too. I know 
Oh, see, an events guy, community guy. He's, he's I'm great for it. Like he's pulling out of his pocket now. Oh, no, do I have to? Oh, yeah, he has the card promoting the podcast yeah. itself. No. Okay, yeah, we're going to have awesome. to wait a few more minutes. It's like the winter. We all have to just go through every million pocket in yeah, order to find <laughs> other pocket, yeah. other, other pocket, other pocket. We've all lived it. You have your winter jackets on. It's like, no, not that pocket. No, another pocket. Oh, wait, let me check the 75th pocket. That's where it's going to be. So you've talked about, there's just like, I'm a real sticker person. I collect them. We've done them for the events crew for years. They're getting better and better. I even brought uh, probably like 17 items of the events from over the years. Hats, toques, shirts, but dating back to 2013 that you guys can have a look at. What? But, We're going to have uh, to take some pictures of that. Yeah. So you'll have to follow on social so and see some of the pictures there. of what Mark brought with him. Yeah, Junior, Junior Big, Big Mountain, Mountain Challenge. Challenge. Is, uh, super fun. And I know you've heard about this before. And uh, <laughs> I don't know Palma. if those guys would have, but we had a bunch of stickers made up. And uh, another legend of Lake Louise, Donnie Smith, a.k.a. the Seeker Skier, had those made up. And that's uh, something that if you remember hauling up the Palma, there's nothing like it. And, uh, and waiting in line for the Palma, too. We all, but we all miss it. So It's true. Yeah. It's something. And also, you had to earn your, your turns yeah. when you're going up snowboarders it. And, too. Snowboarders, too. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. Even yeah. the kid who got dragged up to the top, which might have been another guest on our podcast who... who just held on. He's like, well, I'm still going to get to the top. I don't care if I'm being on my feet or being dragged the whole way. I'm going to get there. It's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage. Well, thank you for the stickers. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Want to follow Mark? Well, you can find him on Instagram at people of the snow. If you joined us because you needed a mountain break from daily life, or perhaps you were passing the time while driving to the lake, whatever the case, thanks for choosing to share your time with us. As always, it's a privilege. On behalf of the Lake Louise Ski Resort, I'm Kelly Vanderbeek, and that wraps today's episode. Stay tuned as more legends visit me and my microphone.